Welcome to Screenshots, the podcast that offers a critical take on television, movies, and the occasional video game. I'm William Wright. Please join my brother Scott and me as in this episode we discuss Almost Human. All right, so Almost Human aired earlier this week. It was a two-part, well, it wasn't really two parts, was it? It was a two-episode premiere. There was one on Sunday and one on Monday. Uh, it's not really a two-parter because it it's not like the first show had sort of a cliffhanger for the next show or anything like that or that the plots were related in any way. They just decided when they premiered the show they were going to show two separate episodes. But uh, I was really looking forward to this show this fall uh, because I'm a pretty big fan of robots in general, I guess. I mean, when we were growing up, Scott, we kind of we kind of enjoyed the three R's, robots, ray guns, and rocket ships, and uh, I think that's why we liked Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars and things like that. And when I was in college, I started reading science fiction, and I've read lots of authors by now, but I, my favorite still Isaac Asimov, and anybody who's an Isaac Asimov fan will tell you that robots are a big part of his fiction, and I've written robots into my own fiction in my second novel. Uh, and in a short story that I put at the end of my third novel. So I really like robot stuff, and I was looking forward to this this new show with a robot in it. I, I don't know uh, how much you were anticipating it or for what reasons. I mean, I, I think, like me, you're, you're a fan of Carl Urban's. Yeah, I like Carl Urban. I think he uh, does a great job in Star Trek. And, uh, you know, anytime I used to see him before Star Trek, he was always a villain, I think, wasn't he? <laughs> well, I mean, I he's know. always been kind of a bad guy. I, I think he might have gotten his start in Xena. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. He played a number of roles in there, including Caesar. And oh, okay. An, and he did an excellent job, Xena, Warrior Princess. By I never way. really watched that show, so I don't remember anything. You know, we we watch it in our household, and it actually, I, I think it's it's a highly underrated show. I think it's actually pretty good. But he was, he played a few roles in it. I don't know if that's where he started or what, but yeah, he was Caesar, which that he was a bad, you know, Caesar was a bad character in the show. Mm-hmm. But he also played Cupid and a few other characters. So yeah, I guess maybe he plays villains mostly. But I looked forward to seeing him in a in a drama. I thought it would be pretty good. So was that the only reason you were looking forward to it, because you're a fan of his, or did science fiction in general? No, I, I like the science fiction. I, I'll pretty much watch anything that's got a futuristic look to it and has, um, well, I mean, it's the future in general, and has, um, like you said, robots, ray guns, and whatever. I mean, I, I, I love that stuff, and especially androids and things like that. It's fun to see how they think that stuff is going to look and how it's going to behave in the future and how we're going to use that technology, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I didn't, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when uh, Prometheus came out, yeah. the aliens prequel or whatever, the alien prequel. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not really a big aliens fan, but I went to go see that because I liked the look of it and I thought it was going to be a really interesting thing to watch. And I knew it was going to be beautiful to watch, too, because of the the, the the visual aspect of it really gets me more than anything else, probably. The aesthetic. Yeah. Well, I sometimes uh, 
when I tell people what kind of fan I am when it comes to fiction, uh, I I almost rather say speculative fiction than science fiction, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of science fiction that might not fit into that speculative fiction uh, area. But I, I like fiction that that speculates about how things are going to be in the future or how things would be if certain certain you know certain things were true. All the science fiction that I like is speculative fiction, and that's obviously that's the genre that this show falls into. It imagines what would happen in the future if technology evolved in a particular way. The the basic idea behind the show, in terms of the the setup or the or the context, is that that when technology starts to really accelerate. It puts a lot of power in the hands of some not very good people, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the criminal enterprise is allowed to thrive in a way that it didn't before. It it kind of gets out of hand. So police officers in the future decide they need they need more manpower. So they start having androids on the police force, and each human police officer has a an android that rides with him on his beat or whatever. And that's kind of the setup of the show. So, yeah, I was looking forward to it. I was hoping it would be good. My only misgiving about it was that, you know, J.J. Abrams was involved because I, I've i been mostly disappointed with J.J. Abrams. I, I like the Star Trek movies that he did. I don't know mm-hmm. what the Star Wars movie is going to be like when he finally does that. Well, it's going to be like what he did with Star Trek. <laughs> well, and, and again, it's that's kind of a mixed bag. So that was my only misgiving was that his involvement in it. I don't know how you felt about that or if that made you think, ah, oh, this might not be very good. Well, I guess I didn't really know enough about it going in. I saw that J.J. Abrams' name popped up uh, toward the end of the credits, and I got, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) But it made sense because Carl Urban's in it, and, yeah, I mean, I I suppose uh, he went right to Carl as the character for this uh, police officer or whatever right away because he was working with him anyway. Yeah, maybe maybe that is what happened. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I suppose we can go ahead and get right to the the first episode, the pilot episode, which I believe is just called Pilot. And uh, I guess right off the bat I want to say I I do think Urban's doing a good job in this role. I, I do like him in it. Uh, the, the previews of the show sort of promised that it was he was going to do a good job, and I, I guess I feel like he did. Whatever other criticisms I have of the show. I am happy with his performance and and I think he was a good choice for this role and, and it, it is cool to see him in a TV show. I, I'll probably keep watching just because uh, I think he's doing a good job and I think uh, I'd like to see where this character goes. I, I don't know how you felt about it. but uh, Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, I didn't think he wouldn't do a good job anyway. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, but maybe the maybe the role wouldn't have fit him, or maybe the writing would be so bad that he, even he couldn't save it or something. Well, I don't know. I mean, I saw trailers, so I, I think when you see the trailers and it looks like it's going to work, then I guess you kind of get it in your mind that it will. You know, if it was a movie, that would be another thing probably, but as a television show, I think this works fine. Aside from his performance being okay, I mean, you know, there are a lot of other things we can talk about that I'm, I don't know how you'll feel about it, and, and maybe as I talk about it, my feelings will go from one thing to another. I'm not sure, but we start the pilot. He uh, He's having a memory. I mean, we don't know it at the time, but there's uh, some police officers are raiding 
a particular location, but uh, the criminals who uh, have holed up in this location apparently knew they were coming and start killing a lot of the police officers. And as it turns out, uh, Carl Urban's character, uh, Detective Kennex, his partner is killed in this uh, shootout that ensues, and uh, Detective Kennex is gravely wounded. He's in a coma, actually, for a while. At some point, he wakes up and we realize that everything we've been seeing has happened in the past, and he's recalling it with the help of a doctor who specializes in helping people recall memories. And the reason he wants to recall these memories is because he wants to remember who it was who attacked him and killed his partner because he's pretty sure he got a glimpse of these people before he uh, blacked out and slipped into a coma. But the sessions so far aren't being very fruitful. In this session, he just barely got a glimpse of who it was. And and so uh, apparently he's going to have to take more sessions before he figures it out. But but this is uh, this is how the the uh, pilot starts. Pretty interesting. Sets up an interesting past for our character. A, an interesting situation that he's in. He loses his leg in that encounter, and so we're shown that he has an artificial leg, which that might be something that is interesting in future episodes. It, it doesn't play too much in this one or the next one, but maybe it'll be important. So he's been away from the force for a while because after he woke up from his coma, he wasn't uh, reinstated right away. Right after that, right after he leaves the um, the doctor that's helping him remember things, he we see that he's been recently reinstated, and part of that has to do with uh, some crimes have been committed that they suspect were committed by the same criminals that killed his partner. So, And they call him the syndicate, right? Uh, something like in-syndicate or end-syndicate. Oh, is it? Like I thought yeah. it was just the syndicate. I did too when I first watched it, but uh, when I watched it a second time, uh, it was there was a little syllable before that. I, oh, okay. I, I didn't get that. In or N or something like that, in-syndicate. Hmm. At any rate, um, actually, since he's been gone, they've, they've adopted a police force. They've adopted a mandatory policy as far as androids riding with police officers and he doesn't want this to do this at first but he's ordered to do it and because of uh, the the android that rides with him uh, I guess asks too many questions about some of the things that uh, Detective Kinnix is doing off duty because actually uh, this doctor who's helping him remember things is a black market doctor and he's not supposed to be doing those things uh, and the android riding with him is uh, already figuring some of this stuff out, so Detective Kinnix pushes the android out of the car yeah. while they're on the freeway. And that was awesome. Gets run over and destroyed. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That, that was, was great. That was very impressive. Um, yeah. He's assigned a new android, and that's where the very human-like and emotional android uh, comes into the picture, and that's kind of what the show is sort of revolving around that situation where Detective Kinnix has to work with this android who is nevertheless very human and very much more human than the other androids. In fact, you, the, it's hinted at that uh, these androids were previously used or they attempted to use these androids for some purpose, but they went a little crazy or something. And so these androids that were too human, I guess, were decommissioned and uh, these new androids that are a lot less human and more uh, mechanistic, you know, what people think of as, I think what people more think of as androids were employed to be on the police force instead. So even though 
uh, Detective Kinnick's partner is a more human-like android, uh, it's actually an older model, which I which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So, without doing a synopsis of the entire episode, there's a lot of twists and turns in the plot that I thought were kind of interesting as we're dealing with this um, organized crime group, and, and at one point they actually... Uh, attack the police station and so on. Uh, there's a few plot holes here and there that don't make very much sense, but for the most part, uh, it was interesting, I guess. Uh, I thought the science fiction elements were a little light, uh, honestly, but uh, it's pretty clear the show wants to focus on uh, Detective Kinnick's and his relationship with this android, you know, their relationship with one another, and, and I suppose maybe individual story arcs or their story arc together or whatever. Uh, for one thing, before the end of the first episode, whatever, I mean, Detective Kinnick's interacts with the android at first like it's an object, and he, you know, treats it like another machine. And this particular model of android doesn't like that; doesn't like being called synthetic. Uh, and by the end of the by the end of the pilot episode, Detective Kinnick's is, you know, they've gone through certain experiences, and Detective Kinnick's is going is starting to respect this android as a as an equal partner. Maybe that comes about a little more quickly than. <laughs> That's what is, I thought. Is realistic. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of lame. Actually, that he already warmed up to this android. Well, what did you think of? What did you think of the the android and that particular portrayal of an android and their relationship? Did you think that worked, or how, how did you feel about it? I, I don't know. I thought it was okay. I I'm not. I don't know very much about this actor who's playing. What's his name? What's the character's name? I can't remember. Is it Dorian? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, well, I don't know. I don't know much about him. I think I've seen him in stuff before. Well, and... he was in Flash Forward. Okay, I never watched that. Uh, that's the only thing I remember him from. Yeah, I've seen him somewhere, but I mean, he yeah, he did okay. Um, I, I didn't I didn't mind him very much, I guess. But yeah, I think they probably could have worked a little better on the relationship between the two. I, I don't understand why why uh, Carl Urban's character, if he's so hard-nosed and stubborn, how he's going to just warm up to this character, even after they've been through some stuff. You're not going to warm up that quickly to, to some something, someone you think is a thing, basically, and who is made to be your partner, which you don't want and don't feel you need. <laughs> so I, I don't know why he would warm up to that so quickly, I guess. I don't know. Well, and again, uh, you know, the plot was engaging and interesting, but it wasn't, you know, mind-blowing or anything. Right. And again, I think the science fiction is a little light. So clearly, and, and other things about the show indicate that they they're not going to care about some of those elements. They don't want you as the audience to care about really those elements. What they want you to care about are these characters and their relationship. And okay, I can accept that. I mean, I, I don't know why we can't have it all in television, yeah, but I know, but, but for some reason we can't. So, you know, you're, if you given a, of a certain television show, I mean, there's a handful of TV shows out there that prove that you can do it all. And I, often really love those television shows, although they're often the ones that get canceled right away. Yeah. But but let's face it, even television you could would consider good and worth watching, a lot of times they prioritize what they're going to pay attention to 
and they usually, out of three or four things that they ought to be able to do all of them well, they do like one or two things well. And that's just what you're going to have to appreciate the show for doing. And it's pretty clear that this show wants you to appreciate and focus on the relationship and the character development and not worry so much about plot and the science fiction or whatever. Okay, I can accept that. That's that's what television is like in our world. But if that's the case, if that's the way they want us to view this story, and I think it is, why not spread the interaction and the issues between those two over, say, the entire season? Right. Why resolve that conflict right in the pilot episode? It seems like you're you're pushing aside a lot of really rich material. I mean, maybe it's cliche material because, you know, that's pretty easy. Well, this guy doesn't like machines, and this is a machine, and he has to get used to it. But, you know, with with some decent writing and the right actors, which I think both of these actors do a fine job, you could stretch this out all season long. But they they wrap it up in the pilot. And mm-hmm. I, I I thought that not not only did I think it was a little quick, but even if I didn't think it was quick, even if I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. Now he likes this android. I would have thought, well, now what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what, where's the story going to go now? Because... It's very clear this is they want the viewers to completely ignore all the things they're glossing over with the science and all the things they're glossing over with the plot because the the viewers are totally into these characters. But now you've taken the most interesting conflict between them out of the equation. So now what are you going to do? I know conflict is the most interesting part of the relationship between uh two people usually. I mean if there's a conflict there there's a lot of passion there's a lot of uh there's a lot of excitement there but now you've taken all of that away and now you got to rely on well what's the criminal going to be this week yeah. you know um what's going to happen between um the main character and that girl in the office that he likes you know yeah. it, it's all going to go to that or what's going to happen with uh what's the relationship going to be between uh, the captain in him coming back to work after being in a coma for so long, you know, and but it seemed like even their relationship was really uh, a good relationship too. And I don't know why that is. You don't really get into that in depth. Like, how how are you guys such good friends? Why did she want you back on the force so badly? When it seems like all of the other people in the in the station don't seem to want you around because they think you're a loose cannon and you shouldn't well, be trusted. Well, not just that, but he's not been approved by, I don't know, a psychiatrist or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like she's even going against uh, some official policies or whatever to to bring him back. I mean, granted, they think they're facing a criminal organization that he's faced before and all that, but, but yeah, she obviously has some history with him that we're not privy to yet. And that's fine. I mean, they don't have to explain everything. I, I suppose person. that'll develop over time. And that's, sure. that's where they want, they want you to be curious about that. There's got to be some mystery there. Well, and they so also, that makes sense. They also want you to be curious about what the Dorian models did that got them decommissioned. And, yeah. I want to know that too. And things of that nature. And of mm-hmm. course in the, in the, also in the pilot, uh, one of the things, the reason that, uh, 
that the criminal organization attacked the police station was because there's something in the police station they want. Mm -hmm. And again, there are some plot difficulties with all of that and how they get there and the things they do and stealing a certain file and all this other stuff. But it's revealed that the thing they're after is an Android head, a female Android head. Oh, I Uh, thought it was a full body. No, no, the, the rest of it's being worked on back at the criminal organization's headquarters. Oh, I thought I thought I saw a full body under glass or something in the no. evidence room. No, there's a brief shot of uh, when the people from uh, in syndicate or whatever they're called, when they when they're leaving their headquarters, uh, the camera cuts to a scene of somebody in their organization working on the neck of a female body. The head is gone. Hmm. Although there's a little bit of a of a hologram of the head there so you can see where the head goes and what it looks like. Oh, okay. And so then later you see the head in a box in the evidence room. Okay. I didn't it, I didn't quite get that, I guess. That apparently goes with this body and I think the insinuation may be there that that this android that they're trying to repair is maybe of a similar model as uh Kinnick's, uh partner. A Dorian hmm. or whatever, that maybe it's a similar model and went crazy or whatever. And so, you know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't Dorian's model specifically that went crazy, but maybe it was certain other, certain other models of the same operating system or whatever that did. And so they decommissioned them all. I don't know. I mean, these are, these are all just speculations, but, but yeah, this is all stuff that you're supposed to kind of wonder about and it's kind of to hook you so that you'll stay interested in the story, but I think it's much better to hook people to stay interested in the story if in the main characters there's a conflict that needs to be resolved down the road rather than solving that conflict right in the first episode so that, you know, we can count on these two being buddies through it all or something. And, you know, I just think it would have been more interesting if they'd taken at least a season to to deal with the issues that they might have. And, I, and I'm sure they'll still have some issues and stuff, but but it, it's kind of tedious in a show when the two main characters, they start off okay, then they have an issue and they don't get along for a while, and then they get along again, but then they don't get along, and going back and forth, inventing new things for them to have a conflict about, when in this case, you had a perfectly serviceable conflict right at the beginning that you could have made last at least a season. Right. And so Yeah, now, I agree with you. Um I think they could have carried that a little longer, and it just makes more sense to carry it out. I think I, I don't. I just don't understand why you have to do that right now, unless they just thought that it, if they made them get along now, then that would be one less thing they have to worry about writing for or something. That's the only thing I can think of for the reason that they decided. Well, let's let them go through a little bit of stuff, and then they have a mutual understanding. But that's not really sure. That's not how it should work. It should be you got to go through a lot of stuff <laughs> this season before you guys are going to reach any kind of common ground. And whatever common ground you reach, it's going to be just a little bit toward the end of the season. And yeah. then that'll be your jump off point for next season. No, I completely agree. I mean, you know, there's also this story element where this model went crazy and that's why they were decommissioned. So isn't he worried about that? 
I, I presume that in future episodes, this is going to be explained, and it'll probably be explained in a way that gives the audience a sense of how dangerous these models were or, you know, how it was probably a good thing that they were decommissioned and everything. But now we're already set up to not think much about that reason because uh, Kenix is overlooking it like right away. <laughs> yeah, and that seems odd too because you'd think he would be more alarmed about that than anybody because he's got to work with this person closely every day. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. Well, not to me, and I so I don't know what they're going to do with it down the road. I, you know, a lot of these things seems like they're motivated by marketing or something, right? Like, like yeah. they are that somehow they tested out what they should do with these two characters, and they decided, well, we're going to have to make them kiss and make up like right in the pilot, or people won't won't keep watching this. Which mm. I'd be surprised if that's true, but it seems like a lot of a lot of the uh, plots, the very plots and, and character arcs of, of stories are determined by what they think an audience is going to like rather than sitting down and telling a good story. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I don't really have any idea. But all of that said, I, you know, I thought the pilot was good. I, it didn't blow me away or anything. I wasn't really impressed. But, you know, like I said, fan of Carl Urban's. Thought he was, I thought he was good in it. Uh, I thought, yeah, I I think I want to keep watching. I, I thought the Ford vehicles were really good in it, too. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Well, did you see all the cars? They were all Fords. Were they? Yeah, and they were Fords from now. They just dressed them up a little bit. Like, he was driving, he was driving the new Ford Fusion, and it was all matte black, and it had all kinds of stuff on it, like... Louvered windows, louvered back windows or whatever, and it had, uh, you know, police stuff on it, I suppose. But this is supposed to be, what, 20, 20, 48 or something yeah, like that? They're not going to have cars that look like our cars in 2048. <laughs> well, and I don't and know. even the, even the Ford, uh, they even had the Ford Explorers, I think, that we're driving around now. Really? You guys can't come up with something better than that. So, product placement then. Oh, yeah. And there were Mustangs driving around even. Mm. Yeah. It was a big Ford commercial. <laughs> wow, I didn't notice any of that. Oh, yeah. That's a little sad. I know. It it was definitely a Ford commercial. And, uh, you, you know, the thing that excited me most about the pilot, though, was that uh, Gareth from the original Office was in it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was great. When I saw him, I just lit up because I love the original <laughs> office, the BBC office. Yeah, yeah. And he was really good in that. That is yeah. a great character for him. Uh in this show you mean in Yeah, uh, in this in this show it, yeah. as a as a I don't know what was he? What was his what was his job? I guess he was just he was the uh technical the, guy. Uh, technical mean... the technical person I guess that works on and the androids, if they have problems or whatever. Yeah, the androids specifically, that's right. Because yeah. he's he comes into it when uh, Kinnix has to go get a new android after he threw his android yeah. out of his car. So, Yeah, he was really good. I was really pleased to see him in this. Oh, I, I did want to make mention of something that bothered me at the very end when he's asking, uh, when Kinnix is asking the captain, you know, or his supervisor i don't know if it's a captain or not but 
asking her uh, why uh, she specifically picked the Dorian model to uh, partner with him. And she said something like, because he's special like you. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. Yeah. I mean, lame, actually, not just weird. Oh, yeah. Just not the kind of thing. It just didn't make any sense that she would say that. Yeah, I, I, I love it when my police captain calls me special. <laughs> well. It's just like the old Starsky and Hutch. Well. Starsky, I, you're special. <laughs> well, I was kind of going to say, if if uh, his boss was a man, I don't think that line would have <laughs> been no. uttered. I, no. I so I don't really know what's going on there or and 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 actually there's no way to salvage it if if what they do in the future is show that they have some kind of close relationship or maybe she's got some maternal relationship toward him or something that's not going to make it better it's no it was it was awkward and dumb and it was a horrible way for the thing to end you know after after you watch the show and you think oh yeah this is okay and then it ends on that note that was pretty disappointing yeah, I was kind of in the same camp. I I thought I thought the same way you did. I thought, "Yeah, this, this is okay. I'll probably keep watching this." And then the special thing comes up. And I, what? <laughs> what does that even and mean? The, and then you know, I've been watching some of these shows lately and I'll turn to Heather, my wife, and I'll say, "You know, I kind of feel like I could write a show." <laughs> right. Because the dialogue is so bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Uh, and like I said, this show seems to want, it seems to be sending all these signals that it's the relationship, the dialogue, and all that stuff that they want mm-hmm. you to care about most, and then they they don't write it very well, or it just no. falls flat. Yeah, I mean, even Carl's lines were kind of kind of cliche and cheesy, really. Yeah. I mean, they, they were pretty common, common uh, retorts to questions or whatever. You know, it just... I, I expected more out of the writing, I guess, if it's a J.J. Abrams joint. I mean, come on. Well, you know, they promoted it as a, uh, they promoted it as the future of crime drama or something like that. And so there was a little bit of an expectation, I think, or I think the expectation they were building in the promotions was that it would be, there would be an element of it that would be kind of like, I don't know, CSI or, you know, the crime dramas that you're used to seeing. Yeah. And in in that respect, it really did fall short a lot. I mean, if if you were watching it because you wanted to see a crime drama and you didn't really care about the science fiction angle of it, you just like crime crime dramas, I don't think you would have been satisfied with it. I don't think so either. I I, I don't think that they did a very good job with that. And I, mm-hmm. I there's no promise that they will, actually. Which which brings us right into the second show. So, I kind of expected not just that this was a two-episode premiere, but a two-part premiere, and I thought the second show would would kind of continue on where the first, ep- uh, the pilot episode left off, and that's not really the case. In fact, it almost felt like they've made like six episodes. You know how a lot of times a show will be approved for a certain number of episodes, and that they've made all six of these episodes, and that they decided they were going to air the pilot, and then someone thought, gosh, I don't know if the pilot's got enough oomph to get people interested in this show. Is there is there another one? Maybe we can play the next one, or another one that can follow the pilot that will kind of draw people in. And so then they they didn't even take 
necessarily the next episode. They took like the sixth episode maybe and threw it in there and said, well, let's play this one. Because there's nothing directly connecting the pilot in this episode, really. Uh, there's, no. There's nothing continuing from the pilot to this episode. It literally could be this the last episode they made out of six, uh, possibly. I mean, it doesn't. And it uh, may be. It could possibly be. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying that that it's a totally different episode. I'm just saying we may not see it next week. Well, <laughs> that's yeah, maybe. But but another thing that leads me to think that it was a marketing decision, and that possibly they didn't even take the very next show, but some show down the road, was that you know it was the sex bot episode. Now you knew they were going to do it. You knew as soon as they introduced androids that were very human-looking and some of them were emotional, you knew, you know, one of these days, probably in the very first season, they're going to have a sex bot episode. Mm -hmm. But for the sex bot episode to be the next episode after the pilot, you know, uh, that was clearly calculated. And, and as I said, it it might actually have been the sixth episode they filmed, but they thought, well, we better push this up. <laughs> to episode number two so we can get people to watch and keep watching. And, uh, you know, I was pretty disappointed in this episode overall. I mean, I, I for one thing, like I said, I was kind of hoping for something that would continue the first one because you were kind of left hanging about a few things. At the end of the first one, they captured one of the members of this criminal organization, and that's it. You didn't get to see this person interrogated or asked any questions or anything. And so here you go to the next episode, and they're not even talking about this guy. Yeah. Or where he is, or whether or not someone's questioning him, or, or anything. No, yeah, you go. It's almost like an executive said, eh, it's just not, we need it. We need something more sexy. And yeah. then they go, oh, we got an app for that. Yeah, no, we'll, no. That's, we'll run the next one. That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Well, yeah. and again, that's why I think it wasn't the very next episode. I think they they took the maybe the third or fourth episode oh, right. of this yeah. film. Yeah, we'll just run we'll run this one. This is really sexy. How about this one? Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And and since, you know, there wasn't anything in it that that uh indicated that it was a lot later after the first episode or they could have cut it up to make sure cuz you know, this happens all the time actually. As I said, a show might get six episodes, and they might film three or four of them before the pilot, and sometimes they'll show them in a different order mm -hmm. uh, if if they can get by with it. That's not uncommon, and, and it seems like that's kind of what happened here. And yeah. the episode was, if if the first episode failed to impress in terms of the science fiction angles and the crime uh, story angles, this took it even a step lower. It, it seemed like it seemed like this episode was completely sort of going for, you know, playing up the sex bot angle. It's kind of a kind of a sweeps week kind of episode, you know, where, well, we're going to give the writers a break this week and just write something that is just sexy. And, you know, we were not we're not going to put a lot of work into it because but it, it's not the kind of show you expect at the very beginning of a show's run. It, you know, it's something that they might put put in during near the end of the season because they need a boost in the ratings or something but some executive thought oh you need your boost in the ratings right now so well he's probably right because these shows they don't last very long anymore well but they made this decision before the pilot even aired they were going to yeah. have two shows uh to well premiere. they'd seen them so you know they know better than we do what they should do apparently 
Yeah, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think you're right about that. It does seem like a sweeps week episode to me. And I, I was watching it with my wife and, you know, we watched the second one right after the first one because we'd recorded them. And I, I don't know how interested she, she would be in the second one because it seemed like, well, this is the guy episode. I mean, the guys <laughs> are going to be more interested in this. Sex bots? Yeah. So I don't know whether she was very interested in that. So right away, you're kind of, you're kind of taking your female audience out of the equation, I think, aren't you, by showing this episode secondly? Well, I guess so, but I mean, shows that are buddy shows are kind of geared toward the male audience anyway, except that I think what exactly. Yeah, but you want to get as many people to watch it as possible. So you don't want to take out your, your female viewers. I agree. What usually I think the way the executives think about this, I don't know if any of this is true, but I think this is what the executives think is that when you have a buddy show, you're going to get men to watch for the buddy angle and you're going to get women to watch because they think one or the other of the buddies is hot or something. Yeah. And that's that's how you get both the male and female. That's how you get Carl Urban as your main character. Well, I th- I think that's what they think. Whether or not right. that's true, I don't know. But let's say that the pilot uh, does that and succeeds in that way. Like, but then, like you said, you show the next episode, and it seems to, to alienate those viewers that those female viewers that you might have gotten in the in the pilot. So I, I'm not sure what what the thinking was there. But see, another aspect of this is this is speculative fiction. This is projecting into the future. And they had an opportunity here to maybe show a little bit of equality in terms of, you know, the sexes. Like there was a showroom in the show for sex bots. Like you go there and these sex bots are on display and you can sort of shop for one you want. There were a few male sex bots, but not as many as female. What, mm-hmm. You know, why couldn't they have had an equal number? Why couldn't they have painted a picture that, you know, in 2048, yeah, there are, not only are there sex bots, but there are as many sex bots for women as there are for for men. And, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in terms of heterosexual sex here, obviously, but, I mean, that's what the shows do. They're not going to push the envelope further than that. But you'd think they'd at least <laughs> it wouldn't consider it really super dramatic or brave to show as many male sex bots as female sex bots, mm-hmm. which might have solved it. Had they done that, it might've solved that little problem that you were talking about in terms of how your, your wife might've felt alienated by the show. Yeah. But, well, and I don't know whether she was, I'm just saying that it feels like that could alienate some yeah. female viewers. Yeah. 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 Because you pick them up in the first episode and then you just throw them away in the second one. Oh, it's all, it's all, oh, it's all female robots. I'm not interested in that at all. <laughs> now, there were some interesting things about the second episode, I thought. I did think it was interesting the way um, Dorian, um, you know, the way he looked at the whole thing with these sex bots and how uh, the the issue in the show was that someone to make the sex bots more realistic was illegally covering them with human skin. Hmm. Yeah. And at, at the end of it all, when they found out who was doing it and they, they caught those people, they had to destroy the sex bots who had human skin on them or get rid of them, shut them down or whatever. 
and Dorian's reaction to that I thought was kind of interesting. But I also think that as someone in the audience, as someone in the audience, that should seem challenging in a way. Like, but but aren't these people? I mean, the show kind of wants us to think of Dorian as a person, not just an android. And these sex bots are based on his design a little bit or his operating system or something, they said. And granted, something is done to them to make them a certain way, but they still seem very human. And so it seems like it should be a stickier ethical problem to simply destroy these sex bots or or shut them off or whatever. Like, maybe there's something else that could be done with them. Maybe they could be rehabilitated or maybe they could I mean yes they have human DNA but but what what about that leads to their needing to be destroyed well yeah but they had to destroy this one because she had human DNA well that's what I'm saying why what's what about her having human DNA means that she should be destroyed is it because well you know if we if we allow this android with human DNA to survive, then the criminals out there who want to put human skin on androids will feel like it's okay for them to do that because even if they get caught, their creation will still continue. Or or is it because it's disrespectful to the women from whom the DNA was taken, especially since for that model, especially that woman had died? I mean, what are... What are the considerations here leading one to conclude that this android should be destroyed? And are those really ethically strong enough to justify what amounts to capital punishment for this being? You, you see what I'm saying? There, it seems like this is a deeper issue that could be explored in more interesting ways in the show rather than just being a little footnote at the end. Yeah, I didn't. I wanted to understand more why you can't have an android running around with human DNA, I guess, but they just said we can't have a android running around with human DNA, so we have to destroy yeah. it. And you're just expected to accept that. And Dorian just accepts that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't question it. He doesn't push back on it. He doesn't suggest that he thinks that's wrong. doesn't say, well, can't we just remove that skin and put new skin on? Because here's the thing. In the show, one of the androids that had human skin had the skin taken off. Now, that's not the thing that killed her. What killed her was she was shot in the head to erase her memories so she, so nobody could go in and retrieve her memories about a certain crime that had taken place. I mean, you know, she's not human. Removing her skin isn't going to kill her. It might not even hurt her. And you can just put new skin on. So... Why couldn't you just do that? I mean, these are the kinds of questions that a good television show that has artificial intelligences in it would address, even even in a small way, even if it was just that not just that Dorian was affected by the fact that this android was going to be put down, but that he pushed back on it, that he protested it, that he suggested there was something wrong with this, and then when when someone challenged him back saying, well, you know, what do you mean? It's just an android, you know. Well, you know, he could use examples about humans that would put it into perspective. You know, like, you're comparing you're comparing this android that has human DNA to a, a dog that bites somebody. 
Well, a dog bit somebody, so we have to put it down. You know, a more apt comparison would be you have a child who commits a crime, but you don't try that child as an adult, and you certainly don't put that child to death. Even if that child kills somebody, you don't send a child, say a 12-year-old child, to death row. You know, you you realize that it's a child, so it might not understand what it's doing or what it's done, or it might not even be responsible for what it did. In this case, these androids, they didn't choose to have human skin. You know, that wasn't their choice. And so, you know, interactions like that, debates like that, that's that's really what makes shows that have androids in them interesting. And it seems like they're not going to do that. So, again, you're left wondering, okay, so... The conflict between the two main characters is resolved, so that interesting thing is gone. Uh, most of the ethical issues behind artificial intelligence and how they're treated and everything seems to not be something they're going to do very much with. So what is this, what is this show going to be about? Why, why even make a show set in the future with androids and stuff if you're not going to deal with these types of issues? Well, I think they kind of set it up so that maybe Dorian having that moment with that android toward the end, maybe that's kind of a setup for how he's going to kind of change throughout the season and be a little more moodier, I suppose, as the season goes on about uh, things that go around on around him with other androids like himself and what happens to them, and he has to watch that as he is part of the police force now. I, I think that's where they're kind of going with that. That's what it seems like to me. Well, that would be really uh, they, they wanted you to come up with your own thoughts and feelings about them shutting that android down. Yeah, well, that would be very interesting if you're right. I mean, especially if he starts to... Well, i got to be right because the... the They've already resolved the conflict between the two men, so or the man and the androids. Well, so. but it would it might create new conflict though if Dorian Good. starts to get a little more sensitive. Like, even though we've resolved the conflict between Dorian and Kennix, mm -hmm. if Kennix still looks at every other android like they're a machine and an object, uh, Dorian is still, you know is still in a position where he can object to that, where he can say, yeah. hey, don't don't treat the MXs that way. Don't treat these particular androids this way. That's not right. And, you know, Kenex can say, look, I, you know, you and I are friends. You know, we have an understanding and whatever, but, you know, you're not the same as these guys. That yeah. would actually be interesting because it's, it's an interesting aspect uh, of our culture. Um, well, maybe interesting is the wrong word, but... But it's a fairly common thing when it comes to people who are in a minority status to have, you know, like to have African-American people have uh, white friends who they're friends with. They get along great. But then those white friends might say disparaging things about African-Americans in front of them. And the, and they'll challenge those white friends and say, well, what are you talking about? Oh, well, you know, you know what black people are like. You're not that way. You're different. But, you know, black people. and and this is something that a lot of uh, African Americans have to deal with: is they have these white friends, and they think they're the, these friends are cool with not just with them, but with African American people in general. And then they find out they're not, and they kind of have to deal with that weirdness. So, 
Well, and I can see the series going that way. Just because they resolve their conflict doesn't mean they're not going to have conflicts along the way still. They, well, they obviously will. And and especially if this android has a problem down the road where it goes a little, a little nuts, well, that's going to be a conflict for sure. Well, right, because the already it's been set up that when when people go a little nuts that's one thing and it's and it's bad but you know notice Kinnix was supposed to have gone a little nuts and he's back on the force when an android goes a little nuts it's treated completely differently yeah they're shut down for 4 years yeah so so there's that inequality there that might be addressed and maybe Kinnix will come to his defense maybe he won't maybe Kinnix will have a double standard about things so yeah there's plenty of places to go that are interesting but the first two shows don't indicate to me that they're interested in going into that depth. All they want to do is show these two buddies and they joke around a little bit and they have these little adventures and stuff. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't have a lot of hope for it. I'm going to keep watching it and I hope that it, it does things like that because I think that would make the story interesting. But I mean, so far they're not showing that they're interested in plumbing the depths of human nature or anything like that. Yeah, it's kind of a lame start, really. But I hope it I hope it gets better. Are, but are you, yeah, I agree with you too about the science fiction part about how I w- how you would like to see more of that, like more explanation of some of these these things. Like when I was watching the episode, for instance, Kennex was running around with his gun. Well, I want to see what his gun is. I want to see <laughs> what the gun looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see how it works or I want to see close-up shots of it because you know, if you're on the RPF, those guys, they want to see it. They want to make props of these things. So, you know, it's it's really interesting to see all of these things. And usually, you know, if this was a movie or something, you'd probably get to see close-up shots of the, at the of the guns and the technology and stuff like that and see kind of how it works a little bit. I know that you're not going to go into a scene and go, this is a destabilizer and this is how it works. <laughs> yeah. And these rings indicate the power level and whatever. I know it's not going to be like that, but you want to get a little better sense of these things than let's just plop this thing here and turn it on. Yeah. And there's easy story. <laughs> there's easy story ways to do that. Like, yeah, let's say uh, Kinnix has been off the force for a while. Maybe there's a new weapon that's been introduced. And someone mm-hmm. can explain to him how it works, and in that way, it exactly, can ex- it can be explained to the audience. Yeah, you've been in a coma for a year. Here's our new sidearms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's plenty of story opportunities to do that in a way that doesn't sound like you're telling the audience. Even though, that's an interesting thing in the in the first uh, show. There's a there's a point where the tech guy discovers that the criminal organization is targeting cops with this kind of uh, uh, airborne uh, weapon that attacks their immune system because they're inoculated in a certain way. Cops are in a way that nobody else is. And the tech guy explains all of this to Kenix when Kenix should know all this already because presumably Kenix is getting these inoculations, I don't know, every year or whatever. So why does it have to be explained to Kenix what these inoculations are? Well, clearly it doesn't. It's totally awkward it's completely an explanation for the benefit of the audience and there's a couple times that that's done in the show when if the writers were clever at all they'd have better ways of, <laughs> of, if the writers were clever at all they'd have better ways of, of <laughs> you know doing that but I don't know. yeah 
but yeah, it would be, you know, the thing is, um, I watched Fringe quite a bit. Actually, I ended up watching the whole run of the show, but it was not a good show. Uh, I'm not even sure why I watched the whole thing, but there's definitely some Fringe elements in the show, because in Fringe, sort of the M.O. of that show is someone has some weird advanced technology that they're using against people, and there's some scientist that figures it out, and then the FBI has a division that goes after these people. Hmm. Well, you know, sometimes it's not really explained what the so-called science or pseudoscience behind these things are, and then when it is, it doesn't make very much sense. And, and Fringe obviously wanted the audience to just sort of stupidly just follow along with whatever was going on on the screen <laughs> and whatever ridiculous scientific hoo-ha the, the scientist was saying this was or wasn't. Or if they never explained it, they didn't want the audience to care. And I get that feeling watching this show, too, that they're just going to do stuff. You know, they're going to do things that look cool or make the flashy special effect. And maybe they'll have a sciencey explanation for it. Maybe they won't. But they don't want you as the viewer to care. They as the writers don't care. And if and if they keep going that route that Fringe went, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a very good show. Like I say, they it seems like they really want to rely on the main characters and their relationship. And they want to rely on that so much that they don't care about the rest of it. And that's classic J.J. Abrams. I mean, I was telling... Uh, someone about this earlier that if if I'd watched Alias, you know, which was J.J. Abrams' first big hit, if I'd watched that show, and then I watched Lost, which he's, he made, you know, a few years later. Actually, I think I think Alias and Lost even overlapped for a little while there, didn't they? Did Alias go past, into 2004 or something? Seems like they did. Probably. But. What either way, if I'd watched Alias and then I'd watched Lost, I probably would have stopped watching Lost like within the middle of the first season because based on everything I'd seen in Alias, I'd already know what that show was going to be about. And I'd already know that I wasn't going to like it <laughs> because Abrams just does. I mean, everything that he's done in any show, he did first in Alias, basically. Mm -hmm. And he does a few different things in Fringe, but now he's recycling that stuff in a way, in this show. So, Oh, was he uh, producing Fringe, too? Yeah, right. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, I've seen all of this before. And he, he classically, I mean, it's not like he's writing all these shows. He's not. No, nah, he's just producing them. But there is something that all these shows have in common, and part of that is because he hires all the same writers for all of them. I get that, too. But the... There is this common thread in all the shows that is, well, I'm only interested in this aspect of the storytelling. For example, the character relationships or whatever. I don't care about things like plot or, you know, explaining things that happen that don't make sense or having good dialogue. I don't care about those things. I just care about this. And the implication there is that if you care about just one thing and you think you're really good at it, Nothing else will matter, and the audience won't even care about anything else. And unfortunately, his shows are popular enough that that seems to be true, that you can focus on one type of thing, whatever it is, and it's usually a, a relationship angle, and no matter how superficial that relationship is even, 
if you focus on the relationships and you and you follow some formula that I don't know what it is. It's not a formula that works for me, obviously, but it must work for somebody. And if you focus on these relationships and you do it in some formulaic way, you're going to get viewers, you're going to get several seasons, and you can do everything else crappy and nobody will care. So, you know, I, I'm getting that sense from this show already in the first two shows. I hope it's not that way. But, yeah. I mean, he's using all the same writers as in the other stuff, so I don't, I'm not holding out a lot of hope. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, it seems like there's some sleight of hand there. <laughs> and I, I never really noticed it before until you put it that way. Yeah, I, I don't like that either. <laughs> that well, that really is, bothers me now that I think about it. This is why Lost worked, because... Well, Lost was kind of frustrating, though, toward toward the end, the last few seasons, especially with that... Um, backward and forward storyline no, 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 and right. sideways and all that stuff. Right, I mean, but but this is this is how Lost worked. I remember, as you might recall, there was a a little documentary made about the fans of Lost, and I was actually interviewed for this thing. And in the interview, you know, I was asked, you know, what I thought of this show and whether I thought it was any good. And and I told them what I thought since the very first show, which was nobody knows if Lost is a good show. This was after the third season uh, I was in this interview, and I said, nobody knows if Lost is a good show because nobody knows what Lost is about. How can you say Lost is the best show ever when you don't even really know what the plot is yet? There's so many characters, we don't even know any of the characters well enough to know if we like them yet. Now, I kept watching it because I thought it was interesting the way the show was basically telling you nothing, and yet it was extremely popular. Mm Mm-hmm. And I liked to speculate about where it was going to go, just like everybody else. But I didn't pretend to know where it was going to go. I didn't pretend to know what the plot was or who these characters were. And I always left open the possibility that maybe the reason they're not telling us anything about this plot or these characters is because they don't know themselves. And by the time this show is over, it's just going to be a huge load of crap. I mean, that was always a possibility. And mostly I didn't so much enjoy loss as I enjoyed the lo- the community of people who talked about it and speculated about it and everything else. And as it turned out, I was very disappointed in how lost ended just like a lot of other people were, but it's, it's classic Abrams stuff where he or yeah, his people writers, don't, people don't even blame uh, Abrams really. They blame well, uh, Lindelof, don't they? Well, I, I realize that, but the writers are pretty much all the same in all these projects. And yeah. what it comes down to is, like you called it sleight of hand, mm-hmm. you you make it look like you've got, you know, there's some formula you can you can put into place where people will think you know what you're doing. Yeah. And what and what's what's actually happening is somehow this formula works in a way that it makes people bring their own stuff to the story, right? Mm-hmm. They see it through their own lens and it it's meaningful to them, but then they think the writers put that meaning in there when the writers didn't put any meaning in there. They just followed this formula that somehow makes other people fill in these blanks and it makes other people feel like this story was made just for them. But that can only take you so far in storytelling. Eventually you have to commit to something. You have to make your characters do something or go somewhere. You have to bring the story to a conclusion and you have to, get off the fence and make some decisions and have the story actually say something. And when, when you do that, 
suddenly people realize, oh, they didn't write this for me at all. <laughs> you know, they just were doing all these tricks and made all these illusions that tricked me into filling in these blanks myself. And now I'm not very satisfied by this story. And I suppose that's a way of storytelling that makes money and gets seasons and gets viewers. But it's not a kind of storytelling that impresses me. So, I mean, you know, we'll see how it goes. But it looks like we're out of time. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, I'll keep watching. And it sounds like you're going to keep watching, too. Maybe, I don't know, in a future episode we can update people on where we think it's going. Maybe we'll stop watching after the next few episodes and never speak of it again. Or maybe it'll be canceled and we won't <laughs> have any choice. Yeah, maybe so. But uh, until these mysteries are revealed, uh, I'm William Wright for Scott Wright. Thanks for listening, everybody. Screenshots is a production of Aether Theater. Music is provided by Chris Snook.